Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of Ernest Continuum. We greet you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we're so thankful that you are here with us. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about God. Now, of course, the discussion of God has been going on since the beginning of mankind, and there will be no end to the talk of God, for He truly is so wonderful and so excellent, and He is He's worthy of such acknowledgement. But we're going to continue. Uh, last time we spoke of of knowing God generically, and this week we're we're going to speak about knowing God specifically. Is that possible? How is that obtainable? So to start out, I'd like to start out with a common and a very likely objection to knowing God specifically. So someone could say, and many have said, well, how how can you say that we can know God if if he is so above us and he is so beyond us, and that if he is truly limitless, then how can we even begin to really know him? And to this objection, I agree 100%. We ourselves are so incapable of grasping God, of having the knowledge of the holy. We cannot do it on our own. But this, the wonderful hope is, is that's where revelation comes in. So think about this. If God truly wanted to hide himself, and he wanted no man to discover him or no man to find him, it would be impossible for man to find him. He is so beyond us that if he did not want to be known, there is no, no way that man could ever discover him or ever find him. But he is a good God, and he is an interested creator, and he wants to be known. And because he wants to be known, he reaches for us. And how he reaches for us, that is revelation. So revelation is, is God's outstretched hand to, to mankind so that we could know him. You can observe creation as we talked about last week. And you can see the work of the creator. But you would never be able to know who he is unless he came to you. And that, that's what the Bible is is it, it is God's revelation of himself to us. The Bible is the book of God's thoughts. It's what God has to say about the conduct of mankind. It is the guide to life from the perspective of the one who created life. It's how we ought to live and why we ought to live it. But it's not just the Bible alone. Revelation comes by his spirit. That his spirit, uh, he cares so much that, that he comes and he teaches us. He illuminates his word and he guides our understanding. We're, we're not left to, to reason and wrestle alone in the scriptures, but, but God, he's, he's not only given us his scripture, but he's come to us in his spirit to teach us, to help us. The purpose of scripture, first and foremost, is to reveal God specifically to mankind. Jesus said of God's word that it is truth. It is the objective standard. It is the unmovable, the great well that never runs dry. It's the living word, the sharp word that, that challenges us and, and shapes us and, and teaches us. It's not a generic book where uh, we can read it once and put it down never to pick it up. But every day, every moment when we pick up the, the blessed word of God, the Lord is wanting to speak to us. He's wanting to teach us and, and help us and show us. But what does the Bible tell us about the God of the Bible? What does, what does the Lord reveal about himself 
to us. All that God provided in his word is all that he saw that we would need. So we don't have to go beyond the Bible to try to find out any more about God. We don't have to pick up any other religious books or have to go searching through the Quran or the Upanishads to try to figure out who God may be. He sufficiently has given us his word completely in the Holy Bible. And just as a point of reference, any comparison to any other religious texts of the gods they present, you would find a very blatant contradicting assessment of God. So the God of the Bible is not the God of every other religion. The God of the Bible is unique and is complete in in who he is. His word is not broken. His revelation is not broken up and, and spread abroad, but, but he has completely and infallibly and inerrantly provided us his revelation. So this is quite inexhaustible, but to, to kind of summarize it in one quick sentence, God is one and he is revealed as the almighty, the only wise God, who is the source of all things. The, he is the holy, the righteous, the just, the merciful, the loving, the true, and the only God. That's what the Bible presents about the author of the Bible. That's what the master of the universe has revealed about himself. Throughout the entire Bible, all 66 books, only one God is known. And only one God is, is mentioned rightfully and truly. And, and the Bible teaches and shows that he himself is one. In the Old Testament, he is known as Yahweh or Jehovah, the Lord. And in the New Testament, he is Jesus Christ. So we'll see this pattern of revelation, this, you know, going back to last week, the generic, and then now talking about the specific. The Bible even, even shows us this. In Genesis 1, it shows God using the, the Hebrew word Elohim. And this word is equivalent to our English word God. It's not a name, but it's just a title. It's just telling us uh, what he is. But in, in Genesis 2, we are shown not a different account of creation, but we're, we're shown a, a look at the creation of man as if it's being examined with a magnifying glass. We're, we are seeing it. God is showing us the creation of man in more detail. It's not a separate account of creation or a second creation of mankind, but, but just a closer look at what God did in, in Genesis 1, 26 through, through 28. He lets us see the details of it. So in, in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And verse 3 says, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So here we, we see the the capstone, the, the ending to the creation account, the seventh day when God rests. But then the Bible picks up, and at verse 4, it changes. This is where we begin to see this detailed look at the creation of, of mankind. And the Bible says in Genesis 2 and 4 that these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So what's so beautiful about this is in the King James Version of the Bible, you'll notice that the word Lord is in all caps. 
What that means is that in the English, Lord is translated from the specific name of God, the the covenant name, the personal name of God. So here it's not Elohim that's being translated with Lord. It's Yahweh or Jehovah. It's his specific name. It's who he is. And for the rest of Genesis, the Bible would go on to start including, start mentioning uh, God by his name for who he is. So this is the nature of Revelation. When God gets closer to man, he only does so to reveal who he is. So going beyond taking a step out of Genesis and kind of summarizing the Bible as a whole and, and what it says about God, it would be prominently known and it, it would be an, an undeniable fact that the Lord is revealed and that he, the God of the Bible, is holy. Perhaps one of the, the greatest examples of this is in the book of Isaiah. In chapter 6, Isaiah says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain did he fly. So Isaiah here sees uh, the Lord, the mighty God, gloriously seated upon the throne, lifted high, exalted. And he says that he sees these angels, these majestic angels, flying around the throne of the Lord. But what are they doing? Isaiah goes on to say that, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And these angels would back and forth just cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, notice, of all things that the angels could be crying unto the Lord in worship, they do not fly around and say, Loving, 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 or merciful, merciful, merciful. Or, or even do they cry, Powerful, 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 mighty, mighty, mighty. Yes, the Lord is all those things. He, he is loving. He is merciful. He is powerful. He is mighty. But he, in his essence, is holy. What does it mean to, to truly be holy? To be holy is to be other than. It's to be uh, separate. And we see this practically. And in, in when Jesus calls us into a life of holiness, he's, he's calling us to be separate from the world and separate unto him. Because he essentially is holy. Anything that, that is called or is seen holy in the scriptures is not because it is holy in its own merit, but only because it partakes in the holiness of God. So when, when Jesus calls us to a life of holiness, we can't work and, and build ourselves in, into being holy. But it's only when we partake in his holiness can we be, are we truly holy. And because the Lord is holy, he hates sin, just as light and darkness, they cannot mix. The, the purity of God cannot mix with sin. Because he is holy, because he's righteous, this, this is why he gave the people of God the law, or, or the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. But the law is not a bad thing. This day and age, we, we, we think that laws and rules are burdensome, and they're inhibitors to fun and to uh, true enjoyment of life. No, no, not at all. The Bible says, Paul says, 
about the law. He says, what shall we say then in, in Romans 7 and, and 7? Is the law sin? Is the law bad? Paul says, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Paul goes on to write in verse 12 and 13 of Romans 7, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. It was only because God cared so deeply, only because God so loved, did he give mankind his word, this revelation of what is right and what is wrong. We would not have known sin. We could not piece together the great extent of sin without the standard of his holy word. However, no man would keep the law because of our fallen nature within us because the flesh is weak unto our own desires. The heart is deceitfully wicked. And it's showing that we are sinners. No man would live to that standard that God had the perfect and righteous and holy standard. A life without sin. No man could. And this is why we needed a Savior. Because He truly is holy and He cannot allow sin. But but by His Holy Spirit, after we're born again of the water and the Spirit, the, the life we live in the Spirit, we fulfill the holiness of the law. We fulfill the righteousness of the law because God is holy and His people ought to be holy. But also the, the Bible says that, that He is merciful. Psalm 136 is beautiful in, in that it, it echoes all throughout, speaking of the Lord that His mercy endureth forever. The Bible says that, that he is just. Right? He, he doesn't let any, any sin slip away. And that's something heavy to think about because when, when we sin, we, we would rather it oftentimes to be forgotten and it not to be addressed and it kind of just to be swept under the rug. But when we are sin against, when someone sins against us, we want justice. We want justice served. If, if someone was to burn our homes down or, or to, to steal all the money out of our bank or any crime, any crime committed against us, we would call the police. We would go to the court systems. We, we would go to seek justice. The Lord, He is just. The Bible says in Psalm 37 and 28, For the Lord loveth judgment, and He forsaketh not His saints. The Lord, the Creator, the Master of all, He's he is the final judge. He is the absolute authority to which, which all life will be, that to which all man shall stand before. Our lives will be compared with, with his holy word, what he's given to us. And, and he, is, he is just. He is the just judge. But the Lord, he also, the Bible says, is he is love. Not only is he loving, but, but the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, that, that God is is love. He is good. The Bible says in Psalm 145 and 9, it says that the Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are all are over all his works. The Lord is good to all. Every man, whether they serve God or whether they hate God, 
partakes in the goodness of the Lord. Every man, whether they know him or whether they deny him, daily live in his goodness. The Bible would, would also say that the earth is full of his goodness. Every good and every perfect gift comes from him. And uniquely, we would be, I think, hesitant to talk about this one um, nowadays, but, but the Bible says that, that he is terrible. Well, what does that mean? What do I mean by that? That he's atrocious and that he's undesirable? Not at all. No, no. That that word "terrible" means that that he's mighty. He he is to be feared. He's tremendous. He's magnificent. He is his works are are great and terrible. The scriptures would say, but terrible doesn't mean of low quality. It means to to work fear in. His works are absolute. The Bible would say in, in Psalm. 47.2, that for the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. So no, it's not an insult to him. It's not uh, an attempt to, to defame his name. But it's he reigns sovereignly and he does what he wills. And, and nothing can come against him or nothing can stand against him. And his works are absolute. And naturally, because he is holy, because he is just, and he's, he's righteous to judge sin and the wrath of God be be poured out. It is a terrible thing in that from our perspective, it causes great fear in us naturally. But he has provided a way. He has given us an opportunity to repent and to acknowledge him and to be born again and to live unto him and unto his glory. But truly, he is so much. He, he is so many things. There, the Bible God's revelation is, is full of descriptors of, of who he is and what he's like and, and what he's not like. It's, it's almost a paradox. It's almost an, an enigma that he is infinitely beyond our grasp, but he is imminent near to us. How? It's through his revelation. Because he cares. It's because he reaches for us. And it's such a beautiful thing that it is because he wants to be known. He desires and he delights in, in walking with us and us walking with him. And such a wonderful thing about him is, is that he's not only just, he's not separately holy, and he's not only loving, and he's not only good, and he's not only terrible and mighty. He's not only uh, sovereign. We don't need four or five or six gods to, to each fill in these, these characteristics. He's not all those things individually, yet he is lovingly just, and he is righteously merciful, and he is mercifully loving and his love and his justice his power and his goodness it's not generic it's not something that mankind could recreate himself it's not something that we could focus on and exert out of our own strength but all of his characteristics are supernatural they are above nature his nature is supernatural his nature is outside of our nature his love is a holy love and and his justice is a holy justice. and His mercy is a holy mercy. It's so wonderful because all of his characteristics, they all intertwine together. They're all weaved together with one another because he cannot be divided. You can't have a God who is only love without judgment. You can't have a God who is only righteous without holiness. But he is, he is all these things. He himself cannot be divided. And what a wonderful God he is. We pray that this was beneficial to you. We, we hope that you were encouraged and edified. We pray that you would search his word to, to know who he is. Seek to learn more about him daily. Jesus, he, 
he told us, he, he said to us, learn of me, take on my yoke. We pray that this, this would help and encourage you to do just that. Well, God bless you in Jesus' name.